Welcome to On The Move from the Texas A&M Department of Kinesiology and Sport Management. In this episode, Dr. Lori Greenwood offers a deep dive into the Master of Science in Athletic Training program. Howdy, I'm Chelsea Reber. Welcome to another episode of On The Move. Today I'm joined by Dr. Lori Greenwood. She is the director of the Master of Science in Athletic Training program. Dr. Greenwood, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about yourself and what brought you to Texas A&M. Sure. Well, my journey in athletic training is probably very typical. I was an athlete in high school. I got injured and I went to a very small high school in the state of Washington. Okay. And uh, there wasn't anybody to take care of us mm. other than the coach, who was also the school principal. That's how small it was. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, he was married to my um, women's coach, mm-hmm. girls coach. And so when we become injured, we would actually go to the principal's office. Oh. And he would do his best to take care of us. Mm-hmm. And um, it you know, lacked a bit. I did not know anything about athletic training. I enjoyed athletics. I enjoy sports. And then some of my family members had to have therapy. I said, it'd be really nice if we had that for athletes. And uh, the principal said, well, they do. They're called athletic trainers, and you have to go to college for that. Mm. So I went to the University of Washington and got my bachelor's degree in kinesiology. And at that time, um, athletic training was either a curriculum program or internship program. And I went through an internship program, a gazillion clinical hours, and got my bachelor's degree, then went on to Oregon State and was a graduate assistant. And then I stayed on there for uh, several years as a full-time staff athletic trainer, working a variety of different sports from football to gymnastics. And then I missed the classroom a little bit. Mm. And I also really enjoyed the educational aspect of it and the teaching aspect of it. So they had a curriculum program there. So I went and talked to the program director and uh, said, you know, how do I have your job one day? And he told me that you need to get your PhD. Mm. So that's what I did. And then I started on my journey as a faculty member with an athletic training. That landed me all the way from Oregon to Miami. Oh, wow. Yes. So that's where I met my husband. Mm-hmm. It was at um, in Miami Shores, um, which is like right off of Miami, Florida, mm-hmm. at um, Barry University, a very small university. That's where I started as a full-time faculty member. Then I moved on to the University of North Florida, helped them get their program going. Mm -hmm. Then I moved on to Arkansas State University, started a program there. Then I moved on to Baylor University, Help them get their programs We're getting established. Closer. I can feel and it. Then <laughs> I ended up at Texas A&M University. Okay, exactly. Um, along the way, when I was at Arkansas State University, my husband and I had started doing some collaborative research with Dr. Richard Kreider. Mm. He then went to Baylor as the chair of the department, and he recruited us to come with him. And then when he went to um, A&M, he said they don't have an athletic training program, and so he recruited us to come here. Mm-hmm. So that's how I ended up here. So I started here in 2011, Mm -hmm. and um, I was able, with the help of many, many people, to establish an accredited master's degree in athletic training here. Not everybody wants to start a program from scratch. Mm. Why do you like doing that? Oh, I love it. Yeah. And when you say from scratch, the first thing you have to do is say, what's in place already? Mm -hmm. And Texas A&M University they have been graduating athletic trainers for 50 years or more. And so there's a long history of athletic training here at Mm A&M. They just did not have a degree or an accredited program. Okay. 
And once you had to um, graduate from an accredited program mm-hmm. to become a board-certified athletic trainer, that's when Texas A&M University said, okay, we need to get a degree program here. Mm-hmm. So that means we need to recruit and hire a director to establish the curriculum and get this program accredited. So that's where I came in. I know there are a few different options for students within the program. Can you explain those to me? Sure. Well, we have the traditional, it's called 4 plus 2 program, where a student gets a bachelor's degree. It can be in anything, but they have a whole list of prerequisite courses, as any other healthcare profession does. Mm -hmm. Physics, chemistry, the sciences, A&P, those sorts of courses. And uh, then they get their bachelor's degree. Percentage-wise, most get it in kinesiology, exercise physiology, exercise science, and then they go into our two-year master's program. But we also established about six years ago what we call a fast-track program. It's a five-year dual degree where you can get your bachelor's in kinesiology, BS in kinesiology, and then your MS in athletic training in five years. That's called the 3 plus 2 program. So that's really for individuals who know they want to pursue athletic training as a career, when they start as freshmen. Mm -hmm. And in Texas, there is so many athletic training student aides because there's so many athletic trainers at the high school in Texas. Texas is a great employer of athletic trainers at the high school level. Mm. And so they become really familiar with what is athletic training as a healthcare profession, Mm -hmm. and then their students pursue that. And we also see a lot of students that come to us with a lot of advanced placement credits. And so they're not really true freshmen. Mm -hmm. They're a little bit ahead of the game. Sure. And so we decided, well, let's not slow them down. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we established that five-year program. But once they hit the master's level, Mm -hmm. it does not matter if they go through the 4-2 or uh, 3-2 option. They're all the same in the two-year master's program. I know there's a lot of research that is done within kinesiology and sport management. Mm -hmm. Is there research that's done within the athletic training program? Oh, absolutely. That's one of the hallmarks of our program is not all master's athletic training programs require their students to produce original research. Mm -hmm. And because we believe very much in the principle of evidence-based practice, that is something that we do require of our students. And we're actually going to be doing our MSAT Graduate Research Colloquium next month, okay. where our second-year students prior to graduation will present the results of their research. Mm. So we have students that will be presenting on a variety of areas with a variety of different populations. So we have a study where they are um, doing intervention plans for trigger points and powerlifters. We have a study that's looking at deep neck flexor endurance and dancers. We have a study that's looking at the perception of coaches have of athletic trainers in Texas. Mm. We have another study where they're looking at uh, therapeutic cupping therapies. We have another study where they're also interested in, you know, considering the intervention plan for individuals that have tight calf, tight tricep surrey muscles. Mm -hmm. And so we really try to meet students where they are in their interest levels Because the wonderful thing about our department, too, is there's so many resources available to them. Mm -hmm. At Texas A&M, so many resources and opportunities available to them. So we find out what research questions they have and whether or not within a two-year program they're able to start answering those questions. Sure. What are some misconceptions about athletic training? How long do we have? <laughs> as long as you want to take. Because I, oh, I, yes. I know that there, there are quite a few. Well, the list is long. Sure. So I think the list first starts out with just the title, mm-hmm. athletic trainer. So that pretty much tells people that our patient population is athletes only, which is not the case. Okay. 
athletic trainers um, basically provide services to active individuals. Mm. That means they move, they exercise. Mm -hmm. And that could be recreationally, that could be for health and fitness, that could be part of their jobs, that could be in the military, tactical athletes, Mm. that could be firefighters, that could be police officers, that could be people that work as characters at Disneyland. Yeah. That could be astronauts. That could you be talk race about physical, car drivers. Hop over kids and Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> but it also could be athletes. Sure. And mm-hmm. so traditionally, most individuals think of us working with athletic teams, high school, college, university, and professional. And yes, absolutely, we do that as well. The other term is trainer. Well, we're not personal trainers. We also are not horse trainers or dog trainers, sure. right? So we really try to convey our titles athletic trainer, not trainer. Mm hmm. Also, our credentials, we have to be uh, certified by the Board of Certification, which means you have to have a degree in athletic training and have graduated from an accredited program. Okay. After the year 2022, no longer was there bachelor's level programming. Mm. So all athletic trainers now will have a master's degree. Over 70% do as well. Okay. There's also now doctorate of athletic training programs. Mm. Also in terms of the education and the skills. A lot of individuals see us as just people who give ice and give water. Mm -hmm. They don't see what's going on behind the scenes. They're not seeing what's happening in the athletic training facilities and the clinics and hospitals in Mm -hmm. which we work. So there's a lot of misperceptions. Mm -hmm. But I think that's also true of many, many professional fields. And so we really have to advocate for our profession. That's something we try to teach our students, that they have to advocate for themselves, for their discipline. And they have to be willing to take time to educate people yeah. and not just say, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm a trainer, you know, or not just say I'm sports medicine because oh. we are one of many, many professions within the world of sports medicine. Mm-hmm. And so we have to then really engage with people to help them understand more about what we do and what we can do for them and what we can do for their population. This is National Athletic Trainers Month. Awesome. That's right. There you and go. And so the Fun logo fact. is perfect for us. Yeah. It says, there is an athletic trainer for that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good yeah. slogan this year. Yes. Yeah. Do you think the term athletic trainer needs to be changed and updated? <laughs> um, as long as I've been an athletic trainer, which has been many years, um, we have constantly received surveys and questionnaires from mm-hmm. our membership association asking our opinion about that. Okay. And the opinions vary. Yeah. We have made such a big push on advocacy for people to understand the term athletic trainer that in a way you don't want to go backwards. Sure. And have to re-explain a new exactly. title. Yeah. Plus yeah. there's all the legislation that would have to change as well. Mm. The licensures, the bills that would have to change. Mm-hmm. You know, plus the logos and the letterhead would yeah. have to change too. So <laughs> it's a lot of rebranding that, that would have to happen. Exactly right. Yeah. Our program name would have to change. Yeah. <laughs> So the, our association has determined to make a, just a bigger push mm-hmm. of education okay, and helping other people understand what athletic trainers are and what we can do. Yeah. What kind of opportunities does the program here at Texas A&M offer students to be more involved with the community? Mm-hmm. Well, our students have a big percentage of their program is clinical experiences. Mm-hmm. So our students are forced into the community. Um, they are the uh, students that you see here at Texas A&M Athletics. So our students are working with all the different teams in healthcare. They they travel with the teams, are there for practices, for events. They help them with their prevention, their treatment, their intervention, their rehab. 
And then they also go out to the secondary schools, the middle schools. Mm -hmm. They're in the hospitals. They're in the clinics. We also help the secondary schools with their uh, concussion baseline assessments and with their sport physicals. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to find our students out everywhere. And that also is something that reflects back on our profession because athletic trainers work in a variety of settings mm -hmm. with a different pop populations. And so that's something that I think really helps them get a great experience trying to determine what setting and what population do they want to build their careers. And then our students also go out into other communities across the United States because they have to do a distance immersion as well. So they get outside of Bryan College Station mm -hmm. for a semester and they kind of see what are other ways of doing things. Yeah. How many kids come to the program wanting to be a trainer for a football team and leave doing something totally different? Right. An athletic trainer for a football team. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> obviously, um, one of the big draws of Texas A&M is, you know, Division One athletics, right. you know, Power 5 SEC athletics. Mm -hmm. And certainly you'll have a lot of students that want that or think they want that sure some of them aren't sure because they haven't had that experience yet mm -hmm. and that's part of the program some of them have already had a bit of experience as undergrads and they want to continue that but one of the things our program provides them is knowledge of all the different settings and populations what's possible what's available mm -hmm. so we try to meet students where they are find out what they're interested in, mm -hmm. and trying to help them to build their resume, build their experiences, give them opportunities, help them network so that they can be successful in whatever setting, whatever population they want to work with. And that might be football, and that might be NFL, but it could also be a variety of other settings as well. Since Title IX, we have witnessed the evolution of women in sports and what roles they play. We've seen women become coaches at the professional level of men's sports. We've seen women refereeing you know, men's sports at the highest level. Mm -hmm. How has it changed in athletic training for females from maybe when you started in the industry to today? Mm -hmm. um, well, I think the saying is, we've come a long way, baby, but we still have a long way to go. Yeah. But the last time I looked at the National Athletic Trainers Association's membership, it was 55% women in the professional ranks. Now, when I say professional, I mean individuals who are credentialed. But it was 65% female students. Mm. And that's what we're really seeing. We're really seeing future trends as more and more females in athletic training. And so that means if you want to hire an athletic trainer – Percentage-wise, there's going to be more female candidates to choose from than male candidates, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And so I, things are opening up naturally. Part of that has to do, obviously, with Title IX and just what women have brought to this profession over the years. When I started out, there were very few females in athletic training, especially working at the collegiate and the professional levels with men's sports. Right. And that has changed a lot. And in our program, it's, it's regardless of gender when we make our placements. Mm -hmm. And so we have a lot of females that have pursued male sports within athletic training at the professional level as well as the collegiate level. Mm -hmm. So this is something we're, you know, continuing to make strides in. But it's not just, you know, it's not just women. We're looking at diversity in general mm -hmm. because our population that we serve is an 
incredibly diverse population. And so we want to make sure that athletic trainers mirror that population and they look more like and have more experiences like the population they're going to provide services to. What are some of those obstacles that females or maybe even members of um, a, a more diverse community, mm -hmm. what kind of obstacles are they still facing mm -hmm. today? I, you mentioned earlier the study about a coach's perception of mm -hmm. an athletic trainer, mm -hmm. and that that kind of made me think of this question too, is, um, you know, are, are coaches sometimes some of those obstacles? Certainly. Yeah. They can be. Yeah. And so that's also why we want to help educate future athletic administrators and coaches and other, you know, medical and healthcare professionals, again, to advocate for our profession, to help them understand what we are, mm -hmm. what we bring to the services we provide that can be advantageous to everybody. So certainly we have had some more traditional individuals that aren't necessarily comfortable with, uh, you know, having women among male sports. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they say we're not going to have a woman in the locker room sort of thing. Um, but I think once they see, regardless of gender, what we're capable of, that that goes by the wayside. Mm -hmm. When you're hurt, when you need help, you really don't look to see what gender the person helping you is. Sure. You mentioned earlier the concussion protocol situation that you work with in the middle schools, I mm -hmm. think is that what you said? Middle schools and high schools. So obviously, especially with a sport like football, there are so many concerns from parents these days, and, and rightfully so. Um, on the flip side, flip side, I also think of how far athletic training has come probably within those middle schools and even high schools, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I was lucky when I was in high school, I remember my athletic trainers oh, because wow. I had to spend some time, oh, there you go. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. um, in the athletic training room, but they were, and, and they were great. But um, a lot of times as a, a female athlete, we didn't have the strength and conditioning coaches. We maybe mm -hmm. didn't have the access to uh, athletic trainers as the football team did. Right, right. Um, do you also feel that even though there are these concerns now with youth and, and in sports, it also may be the safest that our youth have been in a long time because of where athletic training has come? Well, I think not just athletic training, mm -hmm. but just knowledge of prevention of concussions and recognition of a concussion. Mm -hmm. And also, we have pretty drastically changed our concussion treatment rehabilitation protocols. It used to be that if somebody suffered a concussion, we did, you know, it's called cocoon therapy. Basically, you go into kind of a dark space mm -hmm. without a lot of, uh, you know, interaction. Um, but that's changed a lot. And we do rehabilitation for concussions now like you do for injuries of other body parts mm -hmm. because the brain does heal and can heal, but you need to help support that healing. Mm -hmm. So I would say it very much has to do with the wealth of concussion research that we have. You know, we still have a lot of questions we haven't answered, mm -hmm. but I also think that, again, education of everybody involved, mm -hmm. that's going to be coaches and parents and guardians and administrators and, and the healthcare world as well mm -hmm. to really understand more about how you can prevent a concussion. And some of it has to do with, you know, proper technique in the sport, uh, proper protective gear as mm -hmm. well. Some of it is has to do with, you know, conditioning. So you also have to consider that the evidence has really brought us a long way. Mm -hmm. And athletic trainers, you know, we adhere to evidence-based practice. So as more evidence comes our way, mm -hmm. then we're able to provide more care to our population because we 
learn more, we know more, we're able to do better. So when I watch sports on TV, I pay attention to broadcast components that a lot of people would not. Mm -hmm. I'll notice when a shot was taken that probably wasn't supposed to be there or a graphic is wrong and it actually becomes very annoying to watch certain things because I'm I not agree actually. with you. So my question <laughs> for you though is if somebody's injured on the field or mm -hmm. maybe even it's just a shot of the sidelines, are you paying attention to the athletic trainers? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yes. I enjoy sports very much. Like that much. water bottle technique was good or bad? No. <laughs> well, very often that's not an athletic trainer. Okay, that's going to be okay, a manager okay. that does that maybe. But um, no, I absolutely do. And, you know, there's lessons to be learned there in the protocols that they're using, mm -hmm. especially for the emergency management. Sure. But a lot of times that's a person's first, I don't know, indication or introduction to athletic trainer. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't recognize that when somebody goes down on the field, who is that running out there to take care of them first? Sure. Generally, it's an athletic trainer. Mm -hmm. Who was the first out there when DeMar Hamlin went down? It was an athletic trainer. Who performs, who performs CPR? It was an athletic trainer. So, you know, we are a lot more than just ice and ankle taping. Yeah. And so we really want people to understand that to keep your kids safe, hiring an athletic trainer is really going to be incredibly beneficial mm. because we're looking at all sort of risk assessment and safety aspects to try to keep athletes and people's kids safe. Mm -hmm. And when they don't have an athletic trainer like I did in high school, right. um, then maybe the care that's being provided to them is not the best that is available. It's so interesting because I'm thinking even outside of schools, like all of the competitive sports. I mean, you you can find a tournament here in town with mm -hmm. hundreds of teams, mm -hmm. which means hundreds or thousands of athletes. And sure, there's probably EMS on site mm -hmm. somewhere, but I'm just thinking of all the possibilities where an athletic trainer would come in handy to mm -hmm. have Oh, absolutely. There. And sometimes they are. Uh -huh. You will have um, hospital clinics, physicians groups that um, athletic trainers work for. Okay. And they do basically what's called outreach into the community. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes our students and our faculty do that as well. Mm -hmm. And they'll help provide contract coverage services for these entities. And so someplace that has a lot of those types of um, activities very often, and if they're smart, uh, they will reach out for contract services of athletic trainers mm -hmm. because there is such a potential for injury there. Mm -hmm. And it's more than just the emergency management side, which if you have EMS there, they can obviously help with that. But it's also the prevention and recognition and the intervention at the time of. Mm -hmm. I want to wrap up, but I want to ask you one more question. What is the most rewarding part of your job? Mm -hmm. Well, I'd say now is my job as an educator. Mm -hmm. I enjoy seeing students' journey. Mm -hmm. I see their progression throughout the two years of our program or maybe beyond that because we have the 3 plus 2 program. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I meet and engage with students as, as freshmen. Yeah. But I really enjoy in our program, I teach the first course when they come into the program and I teach the last course when they leave the program because mm -hmm. I like to see the growth over time and that's very rewarding. Yeah. Well, Dr. Greenwood, thank you so much for joining us today on On The Move. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening to On The Move. You can catch our episodes while you're on the move by going to Spotify, Apple, or Google. And to learn more about the Department of Kinesiology and Sport Management, head to knsm.tamu.edu. This podcast is housed in the School of Education and Human Development at Texas A&M University, where we transform lives.